All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 189 of the DFO Rundown. Jason Greger, Frank Saravalli with us as a, I, I don't know what Live we're, in we're, the flesh. Yeah, where would we call this studio? We're in uh, Tyler Remchuk's basement. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that, that, that would what be we would call it. Yeah. yeah, okay. Tyler Remchuk's right. basement. Nice. Okay. In the YEG. Nice yeah. to be back in Edmonton. Yeah, no video today. God, it's too bad because we're no all looking sick. No one wants sick. to look at these so that's, uh, that's ugly nice. bastards. You guys are literally sitting on the couch in my basement with like a dartboard behind you. I don't yeah. think anyone needs to see this video. But I'm drinking an athletic brew. And that's a perfect time to tell you that episode 189 is presented by Athletic Brewing. And you know what? Dry January doesn't need to be scary. This year, it's simple. Athletic Brewing has everything you need with their lineup of not craft, non-alcoholic beers delivered right to your doorstep. I'm on day 27. It's January 27th. And just the other night before I came to Edmonton, I took my kids out for hibachi. We wanted to get a little Asian food before we left. And guess what? I was perusing the menu. Athletic Brewing on the list. Cracked open an athletic brew. Didn't miss a beat. Golden Dawn is my favorite. Check them out if you get a chance. They're truly a game changer. Don't believe me? Use promo code FRANK20 for 20% off your first purchase at athleticbrewing.ca until January 31st and give dry a try. Better yet, from now until February 2nd, Snap a photo of you enjoying an athletic brew and tag Daily Faceoff and Athletic Brewing on Twitter for a chance to win a signed jersey. The winner will be chosen live on the show on February 3rd. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all faceoffs, fit for all times. Nice. Now, before we get to uh, lots of stuff around the NHL, do you usually not wear socks? I actually, uh, so I wore my Uggs shoes here, yeah. like the fur-lined. Yeah, yeah, what are you, Tom Brady? <laughs> no, but it's kind of awesome. It's not. It's actually not even cold here. No, it's a, a bunch of my family and friends are like, oh, how cold is Edmonton this week? I was like, it's 34. Yeah, it's nice day. But it's getting cold on the weekend, but it's nice day. Well, Tyler and I are going to literally be freezing our baguettes off in uh, – in Jasper, Alberta. I told you, man. If there's no wind, it's minus eleven is nothing. If there's no wind, but will you wear gloves under your hockey gloves for our pond hockey tournament? Oh my lord! What do you think? I born in Miami. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll so I didn't think so, and I wouldn't ever 
Oh, you can use the small little figure skating gloves. On yeah, the, so on Bagged the... Milk, our guy Bagged Milk at Oilers Nation, he was like, yeah, I'm bringing a, a thin little pair of gloves. I was oh, like, dude, I wear them all the time. When it's minus 20 out, 100%. What a, I, I got what that a idea, weenie, though. What a weenie equipment choice. I got that, though, when we played in the world's longest game. So we're playing for That's a different 10 story. straight days, and it was like minus 25 overnight, and you're like, well, I got to stay warm. So I've talked to Dustin Nielsen about this. I, I want to play in the world's longest game once. Would you ever do it again? No. Everyone said they're like, dude. Like, there's some guys who played them all. I will say... Um, and how, for those, how fucked up were your feet after? You know what? It wasn't that bad. I got new. I got new skates. Actually, which sounds crazy that you got new skates during it. But uh, Jeff Toner, he had a, a, a sports shop in, in Sherwood Park, and so I had some shitty uh, skates. And they brought these new ones. They had like soft padding on the inside, and. Uh, I felt they were pretty good. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, the world's longest game is you play for 240. Back then it was 10 straight days, 240. I think it's now up to 252 hours or whatever it is. And Something insane. Yeah, like it's a lot. And the, the first two days, you're great. You're excited to play. Day three, four, five, and six, it's kind of like the dog days. You're like, oh, my God. And then once you get past that, day seven, you're like, okay, now I'm almost done. And uh, now we had two days when it was minus 25, and that's, like, it blows goats. There was one year, though, where it, those guys, like, guys got frostbite. It was gross. It was, like, minus 35, and I was so happy. But when we played in it in Saker, he had it where you had a change in his garage, and then the, the truck came and picked you up, and you had to ride in the back of the truck down to the rink. Now, literally, their dressed room that he has built there, which is attached to the rink, so you don't have to leave. Like, if something happens, you can just go off the bench right into the room. And it's literally better than most visiting rooms in the NHL. It's massive, Frank. Every yeah, guy has his you... own stall, and there's 40 guys in there. It's unreal. But how do you handle, like, the shift work of the game? Like, you play for how many hours consecutively, and then someone takes over for you, and you go and take a nap? Yeah, basically. So you, you would have... You, you have you to shower? Uh, I'd shower every few days, yeah. Every few days? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, once, maybe once a day now I think about it. But the thing was, you only have limited time. And I'm like, so I'm playing for six hours. Then I would get maybe a, like you usually would play four hours, two hours off, four hours, two hours off. Then you play six, then you get eight hours off. So you have one time where you get, a, but, but then once some guys get hurt, that's when it becomes a problem because the rules are 20 and 20. You can't all of a sudden change. And so when you play, you can't just sub in or play for one. Yeah, you can't switch leave. teams. It's a full, it's a full rules. Like it's like a hockey game, 20 man roster. And where it gets screwed up is the goalies. So basically you have you have six skaters and a goalie in each session, right? But do the math. That's seven, seven. But then there's one session where there's only six, so somebody's double shifting. So that's where you have those extra hours. And then once one or two guys get hurt, which always happens, somebody pulls a hammy or, you know, they're out for a day or two. And now you're down to more guys, so it's limiting your sleep. So that's why when you're saying, oh, you didn't shower? I'm like, no. I would literally get off the ice, and I'd be like, I'm right to, because you have your trailer out there. You can't leave the premise. You gave the correct answer. Wouldn't do it again. Yeah. But at the same time I say that, it was a great experience to do once. I'd recommend doing it once because you tell yourself, you know what? I did it. This is pretty awesome. Now I go as an alumni. I go sit and watch. I stop in for yeah, a few hours. It's great. And then I leave. Yeah. So, but I, I, I appreciate it because I can, because to me, 240 hours or 250 ain't any difference at that point. Right. But going through it the whole time and you sit and talk to guys and you have stories about this is what happened there and this is what happened. And, you know, like for me, the most memorable moment we had for, for my group anyway, for our team was, it was the Wednesday, so it had started on the Friday. So you're day five, right? It's like two in the morning, and it was cold. And I remember you're sitting on the bench. It was intermission. They're flooding the ice, and we're just sitting there. And back then, there was only one bench. So everybody piles into the bench. All 12 guys were sitting there. And no one's really talking. You're just like, this sucks, eh? And all of a sudden, I'm looking. And and, and the old one we had, there was one little area, because he tried to make it um, enclosed so you wouldn't freeze, right? They had a heat pumped in there. But you had like a glass that was five you know, maybe a foot by a foot. And where I was sitting, I could see through the glass. And I'm like, who's got their kid out here? What the hell's going on? And all of a sudden, this guy walks across the ice. This young kid comes in. It's 2 in the morning. And uh, he comes in. He opens the door. And he's like, hey, guys. And uh, his name was Trent. He's like, hey, Trent, I just got out of the uh, uh, from cancer, getting treatment. And I told my dad I wanted to come and see you guys. 
Well, instantly, all of a sudden, you perk up yeah, quickly. Right. This hockey game ain't so and, bad. And this kid brought $40 of his own money. I wanted to donate oh, to wow. the cause. And he's telling us what he had. And I'm telling you, man, I'm that sitting on the bench. Right in the and I'm, I'm kind of a softy anyway. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to start crying. So I'm sitting here. I'm listening to this kid. And he's telling us a story. You know, he'd been in treatment. He just finished his last treatment. And they thought he was going to do okay. And he was so excited to be there. And the next hour might have been the fastest anybody played. It was unreal, and so those are the oh. type of moments you get to, to you get to put a face to why you're doing it, and so that to me. When's the next one? It's a good question. I think it's in 24. I have to ask Saker, but trust me, he's always looking for guys, and so if, I, if I you want like to do, do it, it one time, yeah, well, I'll get you in touch with Saker. He's a lunatic. I'll tell you right now, though, like you uh, Saker's Acres, Saker's Acres, and it is an unbelievable place. Yeah, I'm like a honorary Edmontonian. Yeah, yeah, no, it's well, it's. You know, there's people that have come from all over, like, uh, that I was the- come and visit it and watch it. And it's and now there's, like, healthy competitions because there's a group in the States that has done it once, and they kind of go They're back and forth. They're always trying to one-up each other. Yeah, on who's and it's really just to raise more money. Like, right. you know, the one here, like, Saker goes all out on it, and he puts so much because he lost his wife, to, his first wife, to cancer. So he he's very into it and, and understands and knows exactly where all the money's being raised and it's not just about playing like if you play you have a minimum that you have to raise yeah 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 i've dustin nielsen i think i did a dollar a goal or something a couple yeah. years ago whenever well, pre-pandemic yeah so you probably put in about 250 no, there was like 700 goals scored or something crazy no but he scored 250 right oh yeah something like so. that yeah. yeah but i did one dollar for the whole oh for game. the whole one yeah. attaboy yeah so um you should have seen me on my way here Four and a half hour layover in Denver. <laughs> I'm the only asshole walking through Denver International Airport with a rucksack and his two skates hanging off the back. <laughs> Shout out to True VH and my guy uh, Jeff Potter at Pro Skate Corner, just outside of uh, Chesswood Arena in Toronto, for the hookup. Uh, but geez, what an, what a more I've never felt like a bigger moron. Like everyone's looking at her like, why does this guy have skates in Denver? <laughs> so you, oh, I guess yeah, because you you didn't. I didn't want to check a bag. So ah, okay, this they was, let you take skates and carry on. Yeah. So actually, this is interesting. Got so got here to Edmonton. Our guy Adam Seaborn, our our director of partnerships. Yeah, he's also playing in the, in the pond hockey tournament this weekend. He's like, I try to carry my skates on the plane, and in Toronto they were like, uh, "Sir, are these sharp?" And the, it was like a no go. Yeah, that's why I'm surprised. That yeah, they for me, on. TSA like says very clearly on their site, ice hockey skates are good and checked and carry on. So there, the more you know. So in Canada, we don't allow skates, but in America, Seems they do. Very, Jeez, that is yeah. very non-Canadian very right there. It's a fail. Yeah. That's, a, that's a fail. So let's get to some uh, hockey talk, Frank. Um, there's a few teams. The Buffalo Sabres are rolling. Team Thompson, by the way. You can't see me, but uh, I don't have it on. But uh, I do have the uh, the Sabres jersey. And I was, like, wearing, I was wearing Tage's, the T-shirt the other day. Tage's second dad. But I love it. They're, but it's not just him right now. Rasmus Dahlin. Like, that guy should be a Norris Dylan Trophy Cousins. finalist. Dylan Cousins. They're getting good goaltending right now. Like, What's that Dylan Cousins contract going to look like? Ooh, good question. That's a good question. The Sabres, though. What? Okay, let's let's play a little game. What percentage odds would you give the Sabres to make the playoffs? Because they are in playoff position. Yeah, they're right there. Well, no, wa- like by points percentage, they are in. Oh, by points percentage, okay. Because um, Washington beat Pitt, right? So they that kind of sucked for Buffalo because they both got points. But I the would give them three point game. I'd give them like a because points percentage. I still value points. You got to win your game. So I'll give Buffalo yeah. like a forty-four percent. So imagine that after all the that we talked about in the summer, Ottawa, which you were never a believer in, nope. Detroit, both spend big money. This the team in their same division that has what a lot of people thought were less pieces, fewer pieces to go around. They might make the playoffs first. And we don't give enough love to look. Do you see the numbers Alex Tuck's putting up this year? Tuck's a great player, Dude. and I think Tuck plus Granado helped change the culture of the organization. Look, all due respect to Kevin Adams, their GM, who I think has built things the right way, it takes boots on the ground, people that are in there every single day helping change what is a losing and loser culture that had permeated Buffalo for so long. Alex Tuck 
making what four and a half mil. He's got more goals, more points. Granted, he's played more games than Jack Eichel. Sabres fans, that trade has worked out incredibly well for them. Okay, who has won the trade right now? I'll still say Buffalo. Buffalo. I I I would tend to agree. Like Vegas didn't lose it horribly. It's not I think like it's, it's a one I think line. It's a pretty it's close a pretty, to it's, win-win. It's pretty even for sure. But when you just look at production to cap space and everything like that, Tuck right there, like you know, he's his points per game, everything. He's actually goals per game is higher, and his contracts half. That's why they win. It's a really interesting case, and, and he's only the one guy. There's other guys in that trade for Buffalo, where there's a real belief. Like, can all they have to do is stave off one of Pittsburgh or Washington. Well, and but Florida's right there too now. Right? Yeah. So, but Florida, like, Are think you a about believer it. Believer in Florida, but Florida, well, I am. Yeah, Florida and Buffalo could get in, and Pittsburgh and Washington could get out, which would be crazy. Like, when was the last time Pittsburgh and Washington were both out of the playoffs in the same year? Like two thousand four, five. Yeah, maybe you could something be right. like that. Yeah. So before the lockout, two thousand five. Yeah. Be, uh, be- well, two thousand five would have been the 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 lockout. Two thousand six. I know the Penguins didn't make it then, and I don't think the Caps did either. In 06, yeah, you could be right. So quite a while, right? And they've been dominant franchises for a long time. Pittsburgh has made it consecutively since 2007. Yes. That means Washington hasn't made it consecutively because they had, I think, a Dale Hunter hiccup. Oh. Is that right? <laughs> Not fans of Dale Hunter, the Washington Capitals. Uh, every guy had the terrible offensive year under Dale Hunter. They really did. Yes. Every guy. It was not. Uh, Didn't you have someone on your radio show recently who talked about that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we had it on the pod. Um, Brooks Like. Yeah. Brooks Like was talking about Dale Hunter and how, uh, yeah, every guy had basically uh, like, like their worst offensive years under Dale Hunter. It was not, uh, not a deal. they missed with 38 wins. Yeah. That was, in the, that was in the prime when people thought Ovechkin was slowing down. <laughs> What's going on with the Minnesota Wild? Well, honestly, when you look at the Wild, the Wild, you've got $14 million that you can't, that, is dead weight. Yeah. That's such a big disadvantage in the cap world. It is, but it's not new. Like they, they no, it's not new. This out and new going in. So I don't. But I think it catches up with you. Uh, for a team that was so good last year, I like what. What's the issue? It's like anything. I think in a salary cap world. When you have, when the other teams are able to think about it, just from a take away the superstars, say okay, so we can have three, three four million dollar players or four three million dollar players who can be pretty good players that you just can't have. That makes a significant difference. So, healthy scratches in the last week. Matt Dumba for two games gets back in the lineup. Ryan Hartman Thursday in Philly because of his bad penalty. Penalties, I should say. And he said, message received. Yeah. Do you like it, or is it heavy-handed by Dean Evason? Or for a team that had lost three straight heading into Philly, just needed? Well, I think in the case of Hartman, and you know, remember, Hartman had an unreal year last year. It was fantastic for them. And because it wasn't just 64 one... 64 points last year. Yeah, it wasn't just one penalty. He's taken numerous penalties, and the you know the coach comes out publicly and says, "Hey, we can't take those penalties." And Hartman, to his credit, I gave him a boatload of credit. He he owned up to it right away. I can't do that. That's terrible. It's selfish. It's hard to do that because the position the Wild are in, Colorado has woken up as we all expected, and now they're ahead of them. Minnesota's in a dogfight for the wild card spot against Calgary, Calgary. and you know, and Edmonton and L.A. Right? Probably not Edmonton, but it's if it's not Edmonton, it's gonna be LA, right? Or Seattle. Somebody has to, or Vegas, right? Somebody has to to fall out of the top three in the Pacific. So Minnesota's in a dogfight. And you know, your your bench in Dumbo, who's one of your top three defensemen, no question about that. I think he was second in, in minutes played per game. And then Hartman, who's definitely, I think, a top six forward, like that's that's a pretty strong message. I think that that's also the MO of the wild. I mm-hmm. think Bill Guerin has you know what? If if something's not right in his organization, he makes trades. He doesn't doesn't yeah, this complain. Is a coaching decision, yeah, though. but I think, I think it fits the, in. Yeah, I agree. It, it fits in with There's their a real MO. accountability yes. factor there. And I players, it's. I think Dumba though is wearing wore it differently than Hartman did, and maybe because this is his tenth season in Minnesota. 
maybe Pending because UFA. of all that's going on with the trade talk. Mm-hmm. And then that came on the heels of the new contract for Matt Boldy that essentially sealed Dumba's fate there, that maybe that sort of gives it a different complexion. That's fair. I would agree with that. And Do the Wild make it? I don't think so. I think they do. I think they're a really good team. Here's, here's the reason why I don't think so. Edmonton, Seattle, Calgary have the most games remaining against the bottom 10 teams in the NHL. Yep. Like, but Ed- how does that work out when the Edmonton Oilers host the Columbus Blue Jackets? Sure, they're 8-2-1, and one, but keep they're, in mind. They're no guarantees. They're no guarantees, but if you look at Edmonton's 8-2-1, and one, it's one of the best. It's still one of the better records amongst the top teams against those teams. I have all the numbers, and I'm calculating as the season yeah. goes along. And and, <laughs> and, and, and Minnesota Gregor numbers ever. Yeah, and Minnesota has been good, right? They're they're thirteen four and one. But the problem is they only have eight games left. So now you have they have a lot of games against Colorado and Winnipeg and Dallas, right? And I think their schedule. When you look at strength of schedule, it just gets harder. And the biggest advantage is you look at those teams, like the bottom 10 teams now, Frank, what, how are they going to look come March 5th? I think those games, in theory, might get even easier. Yeah. But hockey's weird. They could get harder. In a way, yeah. It's, it's a wacky sport. Where else do you see the, top, the three top players of a team leave and they all of a sudden go on a winning streak? But, but okay, so they're not going to win them all. No one wins them all. Boston hasn't beaten all, but... No, but those if, teams stink. If you look at the points percentage <laughs> of the top, and I, I've done all the playoff teams, yeah. and then you compare their records against the, the rest of the league, like Minnesota is terrible against teams from 1 to 21. Right? They're five games under 500, and that's the majority of their schedule. They have a really tough schedule down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, I don't, I, honestly, I don't think... I think this will be the first time ever the Pacific has five teams. And then where does Minnesota? But here's the thing: Minnesota has cap space. Yeah, well, they could make moves. And they could have moves. even right. more if they trade Dumba. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be the one wild card. You're right. If Bill I and just, Bill Guerin's never been afraid, I'll give him credit, man. Like that guy. That's an ultra tough decision. We can all debate if it was right to do both Suter and Parise. But I love that he did it. Yeah, I love that he did it because he was like, our team's better off. Not from a playing standpoint, but from a culture standpoint. Yeah. He said, "Got to draw the and line." And that's more so for Suter, right? Uh, I think Zach Parise, while no one views him as a pain in the ass, he was mopey. Okay. He had reached the point where he was a healthy scratch, felt like he had more to give, his contract was onerous for the team, and just wasn't happy. And I think brought that to the rink with him every day that they were like, we're not going to stand for this. We just don't need it. And I just like that he did it because it said – Nothing's bigger than our culture. We we were just talking about this before the pod started. You were talking about coaching kids, and you said there are energy suckers and there are energy givers. Or whatever uh, you energy call takers, it. energy and, givers. Okay, yeah, well, those two guys were clearly energy suckers. Yep. And they needed to fix it. And so now I like it. It's like, hey, you know what? Whatever penalty comes, we'll, we'll deal with it. This cap issue, even if it's for these next two years, our team – didn't hinder them last year. They made oh, the playoffs. Didn't, you're right. And now this year, if they make it again, and then again and again, like who's going to argue that it really set them back all that much? So I think with the cap space that they do have, they'd be smart to leverage it. Cap space, you don't, you can't take it with you. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like money at the end of your life. You can't, it ain't going anywhere. You no. can't take it with you. Yeah, there's there's it. no inheritance. No. So. so They'd be wise to use it, and I think they will. Um, the question is, is Dumba part of it or not? And I would say it's a toss-up. It's 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 50-50. Like, they're not going to weaken their own playoff chances just to say at the end of the year, oh, we got a flippable asset, and this was great. We got something for the future. Not if it's going to damage their chances. I want to get to a team that I think should be involved in the next month and a bit leading up to the deadline. They got a rookie GM, Frank, who just made his first uh, trade in season uh, with San Jose and Colorado. Matt Nieto goes back to Colorado with Merkley and, you know, for McDonald and Coutts. It's not a major trade money stretch, but it's a move that, you know, most people saw Nieto as somebody, you know. I don't really get that trade, by the way. Well, because, well, if, if Cout doesn't work out, you're like, man, you might as well have taken yeah, but a draft Cout pick. and Mark Merkley, I would say, are equal upside players. Both are first-round picks. They're two different positions. 
But I don't know that you could argue that one has the upper hand on the other. Cal, we've seen more of in the NHL and hasn't quite worked out. He'll go to a more shallow organization, so he'll probably get more minutes there than he would in Colorado. Fine. Okay, Let's. what I'm saying is call those two guys a wash. Yeah, fair. Okay. Then you trade Nieto for McDonald, who's a career eighth defenseman. Nieto is a valuable depth piece that the San Jose Sharks could have gotten a mid to late round pick for previously. So why, if you call the first two parts of it a wash, what does McDonald for Nieto do for you? Well, that was my point. You have a rookie GM now, Frank, with Timo Meyer. Well, I was going to, I Eric thought Carlson. when you said rookie GM, you were leaning towards Chris McFarlane, and I wasn't sure where you were oh, heading. No, no, no. Mike, I, Mike Greer, right? And so, and, and Mike Greer, I think, McFarlane's in addition mode. He's not going to have to trade off, guys. It's just going to be, okay, what do I have to give up to get them? Whereas Carlson, I'm not sure if they can trade him or not midseason. We'll see. Or Timo Meyer. Those are huge trades for the future of San Jose. And I'm I'm fascinated to see what, if any, return he can get. Well, I mean, Meyer, I think, is going to... He's going to get you a pretty good return, right? You would think so, yes, but It's but not going to be as good as the Brinkett. It's, I think the starting point is lower than that. Just from this basis right here. First, second, and third round picks for Debrinkit. He's younger, one. Two, he had one more year to play on his contract before the qualifying offer kicked in. And three, the pick that they got back that was in the first round was number seven overall. Yeah. You're dealing with teams that are contending teams that are going to be late first-round picks. So even just with the group of teams you're dealing with, you're already starting out with a lower package. But then add in those other things, and it's not going to be nearly as good as anyone thinks. I still think Carlson's untradeable, and I want to add in one other piece of context when it comes to Mike Greer and making trades. A lot of people have turned a side eye at the Brent Burns deal, saying he didn't get anything for him. And not only did he not get anything for him, but he also retained a significant amount of Burns' salary. And it's for a period of years where it's a full... You only get three retained salary transactions. So those are valuable. If It kind of limits kind of what they can do with Carlson. Then they trade Carlson and retain on him. That's two out of three for a team that's rebuilding. That puts you in a tough spot. So they didn't get anything for Burns. And they retained... And now these other transactions lie ahead of them. Like these are very transformative weeks for the Sharks and a number of other franchises that we could talk about. Chicago, as a you know, it gets closer. Yeah. What's your sense on Kane? Does he move? Um, I think they both will ultimately. Ultimately, that's what I think too. But uh, there's, it's kind of mid February is the conversation. When they're everyone's gonna finally sort of get together and put all their cards on the table. Yeah, and you know Chicago, we'll see what they do. And what going back to DeBrincat, what do they do with him? You know, the hey, do they do they turn around and trade him? And and he's got. And by the way, he's got a nine million dollar qualifying. And Timo Meyer's ten. Now that's just a qualifying, but it is one where if you don't qualify him, those guys are UFAs, and I don't think a team wants to. But if you qualify him, then the guy could just take a one year deal. So let me offer you two points on DeBrinket that I think are really, they're not related, but they're just separately interesting. One, DeBrinket's production this year has been surprising in the sense that a lot of people assumed that DeBrinket scored all those goals because of Kane. And now watching him in Ottawa, I'm not certain that it's not the other way around that maybe Kane had a bunch of good seasons alongside DeBrinckit because his game has fallen off a bit since DeBrinckit's gone, that maybe we underestimated the impact of DeBrinckit in that mix. Potentially. Patrick Kane, man. He, he's done it on his own, though, yeah. now. like he, DeBrinckit has gone and done it on his own. Yeah, he has. I, I, I really wonder, Kane, for him, they entered the season knowing, okay, this might be my last year. Um, he's had a nagging injury, but I, I just wonder where his headspace is at. Because if you look at Patrick Kane 
And you compare, like when McDavid had dry saddle, and even though he had Debrinkat, Debrinkat's point totals were never close to Kane's. He was still 30, 40 points. Patrick Kane. But that's what's compared- been so interesting about Debrinkat's year is that he actually has become a point per game player. Yeah. And, and that's good. But, but what I'm saying is if you look at Patrick Kane over the last five years, you'll see all the other top 15 scorers had a running mate. He didn't yeah. have a real top-end running mate, and he was still up there. So, so what I was I saying Kane's, wasn't to slag Kane. Yeah. It was to say Debrinket, I think, has had a bigger impact on that than maybe we realized and is a better individual. I, I hate to use the term driver for a winger because I think that's a really rare category, but I think he ha- is a bigger singular impact than I realize. Well, Ottawa's got some skilled players, though. It's yeah, too, right? Like I, I like Ottawa's top six, but Ottawa's exactly who I thought they were. Young, good top six players and a bad team defense, and they weren't going anywhere. Sorry, so this, Ottawa fans, but they'd say I told you so, but I told you so. So the second point is Ottawa has decisions to make, not because of the qualifying offer, but if you go through their cap, how many eight-plus million-dollar players can you pay at one time? And how many big, like, even $5 million forwards can they pay? I think you're going to have to move a forward this summer. The, to me, I thought they had to do it last year, and they didn't. They added one. I still think they have to They have to move a forward. Their cap situation starts to get really interesting because they're paying these guys to be... Yes, Norris. And, and they're Kachuk, producing. Debrinkat, uh, Shabbat, mm-hmm. Stutzel's contract, uh, you know. That's- now, Drake Batherson's having a tough year um, defensively, but he's still a pretty skilled player. And he might be the guy and who... Giroux get- is at 6'5". Yeah. He might be the guy who gets moved, Frank. Who? Batherson. He might be the guy who gets moved. But I think that Drake Batherson is a player, I'm telling you, if you want to buy low, he's the guy to buy low on and How low. low are you buying? He's got 40 points in 47 games. No. But they don't like his... They're talking about he's his a, team defense. I, I No, I think I Drake Batherson's very good. He's a competitor, man. I like Drake Batherson. That's what I'm saying. I, but I, I, people I in Ottawa, they seem anyway. to be down on him. So... You know what? If they are, that's the guy I'm buying low on for sure. Uh, I just don't know if you're sneaking up on anyone with that point total. God, they missed Josh Norris. What a mis- what a I don't want to call it a mistake, but geez, that hurts. Well, he tried to go the non-surgery route, which I know a lot of people say, "Well, why don't you just do surgery?" There's never a guarantee. And I always the best example I ask use, Vladimir Tarasenko. T- Ask Stephen Marsh. Stephen Marsh was a, a. I don't know who that is. He, he was a, he was a halfback, defensive back, played for for the uh, the CFL team in Edmonton, the Elks. Well, then Eskimos. He had surgery. This is a hyper local example. You're but, in Edmonton. You should know who he yeah, is, Frank. But Come anyway, on. Frank. The point is, he had surgery on his knee. He had uh, scar tissue. Had a bad reaction. Career over. Could barely. Could he just could not function his knee. And this was a guy who was young. He was an all star. He had the surgery. People are like, oh, it's just a. You never know how it reacts, and I get why. Like, look at Connor McDavid. He opted not to have surgery. Remember after he crashed into the, the post? Yeah. And he didn't have surgery. What there. all-star game was that? That was like a bunch of years ago. That Remember there was like a big thing like, oh, was he going to show up? And remember that? Who, Everyone's, everyone wanted to ask him about it, and why didn't you do this? And Who, McDavid? Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, maybe I'm totally pulling this yeah. out of my ass. Because he got hurt. I can't even blame it on the athletic Yeah, Bruin. exactly. He got hurt the last game of the year and then recovered the whole offseason. Oh, by the way, speaking of McDavid, he's not going to do this, this uh, fastest skater in case anybody's wondering. That won't be happening at the All-Star game this year. Did you hear what they did at the Oilers skills competition for that? No, but I did see Gene Principe on the ice in a tracksuit. Yes. McDavid didn't do the fastest skater at the Edmonton Oilers skills comp, and they do this game in the intermissions at Oilers games where a fan has to race like once around the rink in the time it takes McDavid to go one and a half. So they did that with the Oilers' other players. They had to race the fake McDavid. (laughs) So who won? Well, they all beat him because they had a half of a lap. Yeah, uh, Marcus Niemelainen won. <laughs> Nemo. Yeah, the big but it man. was just like, I sent out a tweet about it, kind of joking. Like, can you imagine being one of the other players? And it's like, tongue and cheek. Like, oh, by the way, Connor's way too good for this. You guys can race fake McDavid and try to beat him. That well, you cool. knew eventually he wouldn't do it, yeah. right? Like, you're only going to go so many years to do the fastest skater. They, the guys don't love it, right? You're not overly warm. And they go into it, so it's not a surprise. That's the to me. only thing I look forward to at at skills competition. Is the fastest skater? Yes, I like that. I like the hardest I shot. I almost fell three rows down the stadium in San Jose when Kendall coins Cofield. She was in, it was like shot out of a cannon. Yeah, that was one. Like I've been to I don't know a bajillion All Star games now, and that was one of the most memorable nights. I'd love them to do a one timer. 
hardest shot. I think it'd be better. Because you could pick your passer. You have the guy. You know he's Like, dry settles there. He's one of the best passers in the league, right? Put him on. Pick a few other guys. Those are your passers. Set the guys up. Let's see some one-timers. I'd like to see what the speed is on that. Everyone's so down on the All-Star game. John Tortorella. Ah, I don't know. The All-Star getting game his, is what getting it is. Getting his PP whacked by the league. I'm just, I'm just down on the selection. Pro- just put the best of the best. I know I'm in the minority. I'm really down on nothing. I thought about this today for a long time. Our daily face-off roundtable, every Saturday we like chime in on some question from around the league. And it was, what is your favorite All-Star jersey? And I thought oh, about I it. I mine. And I was like, the purple and teal ones from the mid-90s. And here's why. I want to know what your answer is because it will tell me how old you are. Yep, because you right. answered this question based on your age when you actually watched the All-Star game religiously. And for me, it was the purple and teal ones from 95, 96, and 97. The big old Eastern and Western Conference. The That was my seven, eight, and nine-year-old years of childhood. It was like... Uh, the Owen Nolan call your shot in the oh, Shark yeah. Tank and Manassic, right? Mike Gartner winning the fastest skater in Boston. Like those were all things that I like salivated over as a child, like and watched religiously. And, and it doesn't what? mean anything since then. But I think all the chirping and bullshit that comes with the All Star Game since is because we don't matter. No, my the thing is though. Look, Owen Nolan wasn't a team. He, he wasn't a player you cheered for, but that's what you remember. My whole point is the best of the best is kids will watch it anyway, and the best of the best have a better chance of putting on a show. Is for me, but my favorite and it's because it's one of my favorite. I have two favorite colors, and orange is one of my favorite. The old Campbell Conference orange, like the those are money. Absolute money. Mid, most of the eighties, the late eighties. Oh, they were un. Real. See, but that's interesting because it doesn't correlate to your childhood. Yeah, no, that's me. Late 80s. Like, not early. Like, I wasn't. How old are you? I'm 50 now. So you were not a child in 1990. Well, not, no, but it wasn't 90 when Gretzky was in it. But he was like eight when he scored four goals in the game. I think it was 84. It's 12. Okay. I guess that counts. Yeah. We'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> when but you those said late like, 80s, I'm like, well, he was in the Gregor, you were it was not mid, a child. It was mid 80s, mid 80s, early 80s, maybe. Whenever he had the four goal third period, that's all I remember. Because he won the car, and I think he ended up giving it to Dave Semenko or his dad, one of the two. Hmm. I know Owen one of the All Star games he gave it to. Patrick in the Shark Tank as a member of the Sharks. Yeah. Let's bring in uh, Ty Uremchuk. Yeah, I've kind of just been popping in and out as I please on this episode. Uh, but we could get to my official segment, which is Buy or Sell, brought to you by our friends at Montana's. I was at Montana's on Wednesday having all-you-can-eat ribs for lunch, and they were fantastic. How many did yeah. you eat? He ate a half rack because he's a needle dick. No, it's not. Come on. It no, was all-you-can-eat I... ribs, and all he could get down was a half rack. It was lunchtime. <laughs> if you see, want to see a funny picture. Filling. You know what? It's funny. My girl's totally sidetracking. Um, I used to spend summers at my grandma and grandma's house for weeks at a time and the lunch was the big meal at their house because that's when you did a lot of the work in the afternoon so you had a big lunch and dinner was always and i loved it it was always eggs and toast and tomato soup money my buddy who's the most in shape guy i know he said eat like a king at lunch and a queen at dinner that no it's true they say it's better to eat right now though i'm on that whole fasting thing and it sucks balls i just have to say it you know they say they want to get your body your, your body if we go back and they do all the reading was you have to have be uncomfortable, and you need to be actually hungry. And so now I'm going during, the, and so I, I have breakfast, and then I don't eat until dinner. I've Ooh. only started it, but it was I've only started for a few days. And man, by the time I get to dinner time, I'm pretty hungry. I drink a lot of water in between, but I'm just seeing how it goes. And uh, but I will say, like, because I'm normally the hangry guy, and my wife came up today. She's like, "You haven't eaten?" I'm like, "No." And she goes. You're not even angry. I'm like, well, I think I'm past that stage now. Now You're I'm just not like, even angry. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> even angry. <laughs> so I'm on a diet. It's called the seafood diet. You I see food and I eat it. Yeah, yeah, straight up. That lines up well with the all-you-can-eat ribs and more. Daily deals, montanas.ca. Check it out. Uh, I want to start with this. William Nylander, he's on a tear. He's got like 26 goals already this year. I'm going to say his next contract 
starts with a 10 in front of it for the AAV. You buying or selling, Frank? You already know the answer to this. We did this on Daily Faceoff Live this oh, week, and uh, you stole a question. So good prepping, as you said you were going to. I uh, it was from Monday's show, I believe. Uh, here's the thing. Nylander, one of the... F- I remember I was talking about this earlier in the pod. Play driving wingers. There aren't mm-hmm. many. He's yeah. one of them. Ten million bucks. He's got one year left. Yep, one more after this one. Yeah, so the cap goes up. Yeah, he can be ten, but I don't see how he can be ten in Toronto. He can't have four guys making ten. I was gonna say, is there any way they can even squeeze him in, or is he? Well, and they're trying to fit in Bunting now, like that too. I think Bunting is sort of the next Hyman. You say, and he's not as good as Hyman. No, but you say. Congratulations. Thank you for your service to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but we'll find we'll, the next it, version of you this We look summer. forward to Thanks. welcoming you back with a welcome video. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Welcome What's video. What's he end up getting then? The worst. I don't know. Like he doesn't get a high he doesn't get the Hyman deal. He doesn't get 7 by 5.5. 5. 5, right? I, 6 I think, by 4? Yeah, I think he's like I think he's like at five, flat. He's probably at five, I would agree. All right. Staying in the East, the New York Islanders need to bite the bullet and be sellers at the deadline. You buying or selling, Jason? I am buying all day long. Dude, they have gone 11 straight games without a goal in the third period. I talked period. about this today. How the F does that happen? I don't know. Like that, 18 goals in 11 games in then in a time where goal scoring Wait, is what's up. your stat? 11 straight games of what? No goals in the third period. Okay, so here, this is this is what I, I said today. I sat up on the couch. He's fired up well, about this. Dude, it takes me a little bit to <laughs> sit up. I mean, uh, so... I said earlier today on Daily Faceoff Live, they've gone 11 straight games without scoring more than three goals. Yeah. They have 18 goals, dude, in 11 games. That's not even two per game. Sorry, How 18 goals in 11 How do you win if you games? don't hit four in any of your games? Well, how do you, they're barely hitting two. They got hot earlier in the year, and everyone's like, oh, Lane Lambert figured it out. And I was yeah. suspicious. I was like... This guy was on the bench last year. If it was just a matter of Lane Lambert figuring it out, they would have figured it out last year. Well, the real question is... I don't think it has anything to do with coaching. Is Matt Barzell stunted by what they do, or is Matt Barzell not as good offensively as some people think? I would lean toward the latter. Not as good as some people think? Well, just maybe not as good as that one season was. And here's the problem. Yeah, 85 points. Here's the problem. They're all locked in. Like, they... So it's to say they can be sellers 100%, but so Mayfield is the easy one because he's a great cap hit and he's a good defenseman, so he's an easy one. Varlamov, I think, has value. What the you hell? Don't do you don't need Varlamov with well, Sorokin. Of course so you don't. Good. So if you're the LA Kings or Seattle, maybe you're interested in him, right? Like I think there's a market for goaltenders for sure at the deadline. But other than those but two, they've been resistant to all of these things. I know they have. They're resistant. Well, they he has a no movement to... clause, doesn't Varlamov? I think he has like a ten-team list. I think. Yeah, he does. It's limited. Yeah. I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna say, just quadruple down. Like. Oh. I mean, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound of your Lou Lamorello. Yeah, oh like, what are you going to get for these guys? Oh, you could get something for Mayfield, man, I think for sure. Look what guys like David Savard got. Mayfield's so cheap. If they keep half, every contender is giving you something good for him. Yeah, maybe that's the one guy. Uh, well, I think Varlamov. I think the goalie market's so thin that I don't yeah. think you're getting anything. Well, but even if you get something, and goalies like he's don't get don't, goalies don't get anything at the trade deadline anyway. Well, Rolson got a first many years ago. Oh my long god, long time ago, but long time. Rolly the goalie. We just had a Rolly the goalie reference. Yeah, it's been yeah. a long time, but that was good though. First rounder. Third one I got for you. That was before GMs actually knew what draft picks were valued at. Like what? It was a totally different time. I was oh, like. Yeah. Like that's that was kind of in the era when the Flyers actually traded a couple of their late round picks to someone else so that they could pack up their draft table and go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> this, like this is not that long ago. I'm talking like early two thousands. They were like, ah, we're good. They literally had like a sixth and seventh round pick. I think it was in Nashville, and they were like, oh, we're out. Sucks. They, they literally left the draft Hello. floor. They Can't left. The Can't draft wait for the draft, just by side note, in Nashville. Can't wait. I, good time. I'm going to need a liver transplant. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Five, oh. It's the awards and the draft in Nashville, and usually... What? 
The you, awards are there? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Usually oh it extends the stay. Usually the awards are somewhere else. Yes, and you kind of like Vegas. go Vegas or wherever it's been. Last year was in Tampa. And then it was like you go somewhere else. You so the fly awards are the there city. on the Wednesday. They're there on the Monday. Oh, yeah, because the draft is on the Thursday, The draft is Friday. Wednesday, Thursday. And then is you it leave Wednesday, on Friday? Thursday? Yeah. What is going on? And then what? you leave on Friday and free agency July 1st, Canada Day is Saturday. So I'm flying in on Sunday and I'm there five consecutive nights in Nashville. Oh my God. Oh, I'm sure you'll and handle someone that needs perfectly. me to work during this time. And then you have to be ready to go for free agency, big insider day right after. The whole thing, the whole week is big insider yeah. week. That sucks for you. Yeah. That's why we aren't insiders, Frank. I, I'm pre ordering IVs. I'm just <laughs> telling you. Uh, Timo Meyer. Very high up on the trade targets board. I'm going to say he ends up in the Eastern Conference. Frank Biner selling. So I'm trying to run through the list of teams that could potentially trade for Timo Meyer in the West. So I would say Calgary, no. Okay. Because they can't afford to take on anyone. Edmonton, no. Colorado? They don't need a winger. No. Maybe they need a centerman. Dallas. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you know who has the most space is Winnipeg. But they don't really need I him. just don't see him yeah. re-signing there. No. Well, that was going to be part two of my question. But anyways. Okay, so I say ends up in the East, bye, because the only team I can really make sense of is Dallas. Ends up in the East, and it's, you know, there's a few teams, New Jersey, Buffalo. Rangers. Rangers, yeah. You've That's the team. The buy or sell on the East, Jay. Oh, yeah, I'd buy all day long. I, I think San Jose, not that it's going to matter to them. You know, they'll take the best offer, but I think they'll probably get more from yeah. the East just looking at, at cap situations and, and also usage. And the thing is, like, you bring up New Jersey. New Jersey's the one team that they've got a lot of depth. They might be willing to give San Jose an actual NHL player, which I know is rare. It doesn't happen a ton at the NHL at the deadline, but... Timo Meyer is unique because he's not a UFA. Yeah, I know you have to qualify him at $10 million, but Timo Meyer, I believe if Timo Meyer wasn't playing in San Jose, where their games start at 10.30 or 10.40 Eastern time, yeah. <laughs> most people don't realize how good Timo Meyer is, how big, how strong. Guy's going to score 40 goals this year. He's already scored 30 twice. Like He the is a really is a good statistical player. Outlier, though. You think this season's a statistical outlier for Timo Meyer? Last year, he had 75 points, and before that, he was mostly in the 55 to 65 Yeah, but he's improved. Range. He's gotten better. I think t- I watch a lot yeah. of Sharks games, man. I, no, I he's agree. I think he's a great strong. player. I think he's uh, – that's why I think he's such a perfect fit for New York. Uh, and the other, they don't really have his style of player. No, and the other thing for Meyer, like he's playing with, with two centers who aren't – like Couture and Hurdle, either one he's played – neither one is the fleetest of foot. Mm-hmm. You, and he can skate. You put him with this, like a faster center. I think Timo Meyer is a player of the next five years. People be like, geez, where did this guy come from? In the Especially fans in the East, and no offense to them, but I get it. Why the hell would they be starting yeah. to watch sports at 1040 at night? I'm going to give you a sneaky East team. I don't think they're talking about Timo Meyer, but I like the concept of it. Pittsburgh. They... Have some free space next year with Zucker and Dumoulin expiring. And so you can see how he fits in next year to re-sign. So this year you get San Jose to take on like Kapanen and someone. And then you have enough space this year. And I just think with a team that has Crosby and Malkin at center, you give them another running mate and... Because all those other guys are signed long-term, you sign Meyer long-term, and then it, I think, increases the opening of your competitive window to win. I'd be all over that. And if you're a Timo Meyer, he'd be pretty fired up. I will say. What do you care about futures if you're Pittsburgh? Oh, you probably don't. Not after signing all those contracts. Don't even tell me about keeping your first-round pick this year. Well, I was going to ask you, though, what if, what if in a month Pittsburgh is two points out of the playoffs? Don't Do they care. trade Brian Dumoulin? Knowing that they're probably not resigning them, probably not. They got one gear. <laughs> they try they to win. should only have one yeah. gear. Why waver now? You literally just gave these guys six-year deals. It's true. You're not retooling. <laughs> no, you're stuck. You are yeah. married to those guys, 
And there are no divorce outs. Except LTIR. <laughs> Unless one except of them develops... Except the old wink, wink. Yeah, someone is allergic to their equipment all of a sudden. Um, all right. <laughs> I still, I cannot believe that no one has ever combated that. How did Chicago just throw that out there? And everyone was like, well... Good career marrying like, Hosa, son of a gun. The thing is, it's funny because I talked to two guys that are very close to them, and they said it was true. Because Everyone I, says, oh, yeah, that's legit. And I'm legit. like, but he, how did he get through it the year before when he was making th- well, that's the three thing. million, and five. then all of a sudden exactly. went to one and was like, oh, man, this ain't worth it anymore. Yeah, it's so funny. All right. Uh, the second part of that question, percent chance Timo Meyer re-signs with the team that acquires him? 95 I was going to say 90, so yeah. I would agree. Yes. Right. I, I think the team, they're going to do that. They're going to be talking. I, I, I don't think a team is going to want to give up the assets it's going to require to get Meyer and then not qualify him or not have a contract yeah. in place. That's fair. Um, this next one, Points Bet Canada bonus question. Shout out to Points Bet Canada. I'm checking my phone all the time tonight to see if the Colorado Avalanche are going to cover the puck line for me. Uh, but they have updated odds on the awards. As you know, I like getting your takes on these as the lines move throughout the year. The Norris is fascinating. Beginning of the season, Kale McCars to lose. He was basically even money. It was the same to bet on McCarr to win the Norris as it was McDavid to win the Art Ross, more or less. Now it's changed. You got Carlson as the leader at plus 225. McCarr at plus 250. Darlene Fox Morrissey is the top five. Do you agree or disagree with Carlson being the Norris favorite, Jason? I would agree. Uh, it, the season he's having is off the charts. And yeah. if people say, well, he's not on a playoff team, neither was Fox when they won just recently. So um, I think the precedent has been set very recent that uh, you don't have to be on a playoff team to do it. The guy scores 100 points, man. Like, I don't care. I think he's going to be up there. Um, I'm actually more surprised that McCarr's two. I'm not. I think McCars had the best season no one's talking about. The stuff that every that they asked him to do with all those oh, injuries. Yeah, he's good. He actually had to ch- Ryan Clark, my buddy at ESPN, wrote an unreal story looking at all the changes he made to his game for sheer efficiency state sake of he can't make the crazy plays that he was because he's playing 30 he, minutes. 31, 33 minutes a night some nights. Yep. Can't do it. And he's changed his game, yet still remained a point-per-game player and is defending better than he ever has. I would be voting Kale McCarr number one today, right now. Wow. Ahead of Rossmus Dahlin or Carlson? I think Rossmus Dahlin's had a I'm, I, I'm sorry, but Eric Carlson doesn't play defense. Do you think we're numb to the McCarr thing, too? Well, I, know. I watch a lot him? of Sharks games, man. No offense to his defense partner. He's playing defense with a third-pairing defender. I don't care if he's McCarr playing gets defense to play with, Devin with a Taves. one-legged guy in a wheelchair. Yeah. He doesn't play defense. I, he doesn't. This is not the Offensive Defenseman Award. And I appreciate all of the special things that he does with the puck. He's turned back the clock in such an impressive way. But I'm sorry. That and being what's ultimately going to end up being 40 points out of the playoffs or something wacky, yeah. he's not my number one vote right now. Here is my, I'm putting my Jason Greger cap on. Most points by a player who signed his current contract as a UFA. So not someone who's in UFA years, but like they signed as an unrestricted free agent. Eric Carlson is number one in the NHL with 64 points. So He never made it to free agency. He signed his deal, though, as a UFA. No, he signed his deal before the year, like in that first year, of being eligible, but he yep. wasn't a UFA. But that's what I mean. He signed it the first year being like... That doesn't count. What kind of question is this? Just, it's a stat. Contract That is signed. a Gregor stat. No, no, Con- no, no, no. <laughs> Gregor would be better than this, is what he's saying. But contract signed when you were UFA eligible. So not someone who signed it as an RFA and rolls over. Carlson leads the NHL in points. Could be. And is Hyman second? Nope. That's where I was going with this. I was going to see you guys could tell me who's second. Again, UFA eligible season is when you had to sign it. I got it. Hyman's four. Sid the Kid is three. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No. He's ahead of Crosby, though? By one point, yeah, 58 to 57 as of tonight. Oh, okay. There you go. It, yeah, it goes Carlson, Crosby, or sorry, Carlson, Nuge, Crosby, Hyman, Stamkos. Nuge's season is off the charts and likely will never happen again. Well, you look, Zach Hyman might actually beat his career high more than Nugent Hopkins will, right? Because Hyman's career best Hyman was 54. Hyman already beat his career. Yeah, yeah. his was 54. Nugent Hopkins was 69. 
I think Hyman's going to end up with 80 points. He's going to be 24 more than he was. He might even end up being more points than Nugent Hopkins. Talk yeah. to Zach Hyman today. If you haven't checked out, frankly speaking, new show that dropped last Wednesday. Todd McClellan, former Oilers coach, now at the Kings. He was episode one. Zach Hyman, episode two, drops on Wednesday of All-Star Week. There you go. Quick little plug. That was By Yourself, brought to you by our friends at Montana's. They're bringing back the viewing party with their daily deals. Check them out, montanas.ca. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Speaking of uh, pending UFAs before we go, uh, What'd you make of Vancouver Kuzmenko to two years, 5.5 mil starting next season? Doesn't really make a lot of sense for me from a team perspective. And the reason for that is we've heard the Canucks talk over and over again about cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. What does adding another $5.5 million player do for you when you have a team that isn't competitive right now as it is? And... I did a deep dive on Kuzmenko and sized up his contract. It landed exactly in the comparables that I outlined in my story 10 days ago, not to toot my horn, but he's not a driver. He's a really nice complimentary winger that has become an excellent net front scorer that doesn't drive play. Yeah, but that's kind of what a 5.5 million player is, no? It is, but he's an accessory on a, this team that they don't need when they have other $5.5 million wingers that could probably... They aren't scoring at the same rate he is. I I don't even understand the term. I understand it from his perspective. Like He's thinking, I'm going to come in at $5.5 bucks, put $11 million into my pocket, and have an 85-90 point season playing with Pedersen, and then I'm going to cash in for $9 million a season somewhere else in two years from now. I get it from his perspective. I just don't understand it from the Vancouver perspective where how competitive are you really going to be in this two-year window? Fair question. So here's how I, I think this outlines a little bit of what they're thinking. A, it's a guarantee that Horvat's not back. B, I think it means that Brock Besser is going to be moving out as well. And then C, I think Vancouver, without even knowing it, maybe it's a subconscious, is they're like, in two years, Kuzmenko, what's he going to be worth for us at the deadline? He's probably going to be worth more than we are now. We'll be competitive because the problem with Vancouver is they're not bad enough to get a real good pick. They're right. in they're in hockey purgatory right now, so I think they feel like, okay, we should be better if Demko gets healthy and if we can find some way to retool our defense. And I think the other one, Frank, they never liked their coach. And so in their mind, they still believe we have the right players, we didn't have the right coach. And so now the coach comes in, and uh, Rick Tockett, I think it's safe to say. Speaking of purgatory, does he feel like he's in purgatory? Yeah. It's five days in. Yeah, and he's already called his team soft. I don't like to use the word, but that was a soft play by their team. Uh, you know, he mentioned how they got a lot of bad habits. Um, you know, it's a he process. Wants 10 straight days of practice. Yeah, it illustrates to me that he was brought in because they feel like, 
you have a trial run to see what you like and don't like, and then we're going to... Like, some of these guys might get sold off low, Frank, in the offseason, but I get the sense that Vancouver is going to be, you know... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think they're going to be very busy. Jim Rutherford, I know he's not the GM. He's the president. He said he's not going to talk as much, but you know, maybe his GM will, will make more moves. But I sense that you will see the Vancouver Canucks make a significant amount of deals in the next six months. Fair. And will one of those be JT Miller? I wonder. How? Was ri- I? That's the first thing I asked. But is he going to make life miserable for JT Miller? I actually think Miller and Tockett will get along quite well. I think sometimes high-intense players, high-intense coaches, they relate to him, and he's he'll he'll know how to communicate with them, and I think he'll actually get positive out of JT Miller. Hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I have a sense that, you know, sometimes the certain players, you know, you take on your coach's personality to an extent, right? Not 100%, but to an extent. And I think that... Uh, JT Miller's personality, you know, he can, I, I think Krusty is a fair assessment on him. And not that Rick, Rick Tockett's actually a, one of the nicest guys I ever met, I'll What be did honest. I call him earlier in the season on the pod? I call, he's prickish. Yeah, prickish. And Rick Tockett is like no BS guy. Rick yeah. Tockett, like no one intimidated. Rick Tockett's not scared of anybody. He he and will tell he you like it soft, is. soft, man, does your wiener turn into a raisin? Oh, and it, trust me, you don't ever want to be called soft as <laughs> a player. Not by that guy. No. And but that just it's going to be like, hey guys, put up or shut up. To me, the bigger question is, how do they make a move on their defense? Don't know. That's good. That's that to me. If they're if they can manipulate and move their defense and find some team to take a contract in the off season, that's what they're going to have to do on defense. Tough sledding. Yes, it will be. Speaking of soft, I hope this doesn't sound soft when I say it, but. I was hoping to get through this pond hockey weekend in Jasper without any injuries. I was just going to say, you guys, like, don't pull a hammer. I'm going to be hurt Warm up properly. That's that the biggest mistake every weekend warrior doesn't do. Just warm up properly. Warrior? I'm not even a, like, I'm like once every 15-year warrior. Yeah. Weekend you, warrior. But you out, and you skate with your kid's team. And yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, you're on the ice a lot. Like, you're, it's not like you've been skating. Are you going to wear a full year. cage? No. I'm not even wearing a half shield. Oh, you're just going straight. I got a visor. I didn't pack it. I can't wear a visor either. I hate to say it. I actually like the visor. You know what? I I never played with one, so I don't like it. I never played with one when I played men's league, and I played against a a few of the guys that were involved with the Flyers. And their equipment guy, he actually just joined our Nation Network family, part of the Nasty Knuckles podcast, Derek Settlemeyer. He stopped me during the game. He's like, dude, don't be a moron. Put on a visor. Yeah. No, I get he's it. He's like, if you if you need one, I'll give you one. Like, yeah. He's like, you got to put on a visor. Well, I haven't played men's league. And we were for playing years against like Joe them. Mullen, the hockey hall of famer, and yeah. like it was a good little group. And he was like, don't. Just, I, he's like, this isn't the NHL. Those guys actually control their sticks, and you see what happens. He's like, you're out of here, out here with a bunch of idiots. Put a visor on. And since then, whenever I played, I always wore one, but I just didn't pack one this weekend. I'm sure you could probably get one. Yeah, I'm good. But I go full cage when I play. This actually, the there's city, a rule in this tournament, right? Can't raise your sticks above your waist or the yeah, yeah no slap shots, just because no it's the shot. little pond nets, right? So that kind of it should know. alleviate. All it a takes though is one guy to. Oh. All it takes is one guy to toe pick, and he's he's falling his sticks up in your grill. Knob. Yeah. So, good luck with that, fellas. Warm up properly, or I'll be doing the pod solo on Monday. You might anyway. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.